Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the wounds of Jesus. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles and crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, I'm going to just straight out start with yep. you're saying wound. Yeah. I get oozy goozy vibes, <laughs> and that's kind of not making me happy, and it's making me remember all the reasons why Easter is not such a great time for those of us who have grown up with images of the crucifixion. Sure, especially with Roman Catholic traditions. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, let's ease people and say we will not be giving graphic descriptions We're not going to talk about a whole lot of detail in this. I'm not into doing a whole bunch of graphic content warning. So not a gross out podcast. Not a gross out podcast. The point of this is to talk more about the theory and the reasoning as to why it would matter that the wounds would be present when Jesus comes back post-crucifixion. So we're not going to talk about details of the crucifixion. We're not going to go into that area. Okay. If... Even talking about this part is enough to make you not feel real good. I totally get it. Some folks will say, don't avoid talking about the realness of the crucifixion. Yeah, I get that. And Mm -hmm. our world is full of a ton of trauma right now. So if this is not the kind of topic you want to deal with, I totally get it. I will, in the very beginning here, give the punchline. Okay. So that folks who want to walk away still get the punchline. So if, if you're still with us, punchline is... Jesus knows what it's like to be wounded. Okay. And that really matters because our God knows what it's like to hurt. And God doesn't erase that when God is resurrected. Okay. Jesus doesn't get like an etch-a-sketch to wipe away (laughs) his experience of our pain. Jesus carries it with him all the way through to the resurrection. And so we'll talk more throughout this about why that matters, but... If that is enough for those who are traumatized by this kind of conversation, just to know that Jesus and God know what that's like, please feel free to press on to the next podcast. You don't have to stick around. But if your curiosity is piqued, stick around with us. Okay. Now, that said, Mm -hmm. are we talking wound and not scar? There's gray area in between the two of them. Kind of, but not. Okay. Because a scar is a wound that is healed. Uh huh. A scar, there might be marred tissue or there might be difficulty or there might still be pain there. But a scar is a wound that has healed. And why wouldn't that be equally as important or show that he has gone through some sort of trauma and pain and come mm-hmm. out the other side? Well, it would. It would show that, that he has scars. But Three days after that major wounding. Because of the timeline. That's why Uh, we're still talking wounds. I think. Okay. I mean, I don't know whether or not you can play with that idea theologically in your mind as to why that's one of those good, I notice, I wonder kind of comments. Okay. Of saying, I notice that at the beginning it's his wounds. It's not scars. And so he's not healed yet. It's still a fresh pain. It's still something that is present. So for those who really feel the pressure to get over something that has wounded them, and why haven't you moved on yet? And why are you still bringing this up? Wounds take time to heal. That's a fascinating little tidbit. Right? Mm-hmm. And even the wounds that Jesus suffered, who is miraculously raised from the dead, even those wounds take time to heal. The betrayal of his best friend Judas is not going to heal in three days, even by God's miraculous capacity. The wounds of a world that 
value violence over love and compassion, those wounds aren't going to heal in three days in spite of God's miraculous raising from the dead, right? So I think in some ways why that matters that they're wounds and not scars is to say these kinds of wounds take time to heal. And God might be able to conquer death, but the cost, the repercussion of that kind of wounding is still going to take time. That's fascinating. And that's okay for it to take time, right? I think North American culture really doesn't want it to take time. Oh, we don't want anything to take time. At all, ever, Mm. unless it's like, you know, something we're paying by the minute for. But things do take time. That's just reality. It takes longer than three days to grieve the death of a loved one. Mm -hmm. And it (laughs) takes longer than three days for things to heal. Absolutely. Okay, so without getting into too much detail, Mm -hmm. which ones we're talking here? Hands? So Piercing of the side? Yeah, the Gospel of John tells us about the piercing at the side. And the hands and the feet, and sometimes people like to point out that it was likely not in the palms, but in the wrists, Mm -hmm. that the wounds would be present. But we are talking about the wounds that come from being on the cross. And so one in each hand or wrist, one in the feet, well, one in each. And then we talk about the piercing of the side. And one of the pieces that, I don't want to get too gruesome, let's stay a little softer in our imagery here, but... It's important to note that in the Gospel of John, it talks about blood and water rushing out of the side of Christ because the medical term of someone who dies from a broken heart, water surrounds their heart. Oh, I don't ever remember this being. That is part of what. Have you heard of someone who can die of a broken heart? Well, sure, like Shakespeare. It's like an actual medical thing. Oh, wow that someone can experience so much grief and trauma that their body reacts in such a way that water builds up around the heart and it ceases to be able to function. And so the grief and the fatigue and the hurt, there's a medical term for it that I don't know, (laughs) but it is called dying of a broken heart. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus' side is pierced, it talks about blood and water rushing out. And part of that is baptismal imagery, perhaps, but it's also, if we think about then, this medical reality of grief that wraps a heart in water and tears and sadness. It's fascinating to give a visual to that. Then we have this moment where we get to see with our medical sciency eyes, Jesus dying of a broken heart hmm. and that being part and process of the cross. And so the side wound is a part of that kind of, I think, pointing to that broken heart and that grief. Because we have parents and children and brothers and sisters and loved ones who experience this grief of a broken heart. And again, to know that Jesus feels that kind of grief, that level of sadness over what is happening to his community and to his loved ones and to the world opens up an understanding of the character and the very nature of the divine. We've been talking about the creeds and we say Jesus Mm -hmm. is a part of God and all of this Trinitarian stuff, then that God would experience that level of sadness and grief is really powerful. So we have these wounds on the hands and the feet and the wound on the side, and those are the ones that are talked about in the resurrection accounts in the Gospels. Now, are they the same 
for all the resurrection accounts, or are there some differences? The Gospel of John really steps it up because we have this scene with Thomas Mm -hmm. where the wounds are specifically talked about and Jesus kind of very graphically Mm -hmm. says, put your hands here, that kind of a piece. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Kind of icky. It's the Sunday after Easter. Lots of folks don't hear it anyway because they stay home. They've done their (laughs) churchly duties. Sure. (laughs) It's a great Sunday to come though. And Mark doesn't have in, well, in canon, they kind of added it in. But the original ending of the Gospel of Mark doesn't have a resurrection sighting of Jesus, so the wounds aren't necessarily present there. But Matthew and Luke talk about the wounds as well. That Jesus is resurrected with wounds is present consistently through all of the narratives. Now, part of it, you said, is to show that he's like us and that he suffered trauma and whatever. Sure, sure. What other reasons is it? Is it the only thing that he uses to show that it's really him that's come back? I mean, it's a pretty good one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, it's a good one, right? It's a great identifying kind of piece. Way better than a mole. (laughs) Right. But he does other things to prove that he's actually come back from the dead and that he's really alive again. There's conversation about, well, was he just a ghost or a spirit? And so the Gospels tell of him eating meals with the disciples once he's risen, kind of to prove ghosts don't eat food. Okay. And while he kind of bamfs about in different ways in the different Gospels, like the Gospel of Luke, he's walking on the road to Emmaus and then he breaks the bread and then bamf, he disappears, right? So he's... It's a fascinating sort of straddling the line between... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm human. I'm here. I'm eating. I got wounds. You can touch me. Your hand doesn't go through me. And right. yet, boom, I'm gone. Right? Isn't it weird? That is very weird. It's so unexplainable, which is kind of part of faith. Sure. <laughs> but it is weird. And it's okay to question it. And it's okay to wrestle with it. And what does that mean? And why does this matter? I think for me, when I think of the road to Emmaus moment, I love what Dr. Sweet had said about how Jesus is revealed in that moment in the breaking of the bread. There's Mm -hmm. part of that that I think sure is communion, but I also think there's part of that that when he breaks the bread and he holds it out to them, they can see the wounds on his wrists. Sure. And that's when you know that this is who this is because those wounds show it. For me, I think there's great power in knowing that it's not just wiped away. So in college, shortly after I was baptized, I took an ancient history class. Okay. And I learned what Gnostics were for the first time, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, mm-hmm. and individuals who didn't believe in necessarily, and, and we talked a little bit about the Arius versus Athanasius stuff mm-hmm. in that ancient history class. And a little bit of that conversation around Jesus just being fully divine and a concept called the laughing Jesus that on the cross, Jesus stepped off the cross and was watching and like laughing. Like, like in ghost form. In ghost form, in spirit form, because the body didn't matter at all. And I had this visceral reaction. And maybe it was because it was right in the same time that I did a 30-hour fast for world hunger for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I had slogged up the four flights of stairs Mm, mm -hmm. and was so hungry. And I didn't really know the leniency of the fast. I was doing it much more akin to the Ramadan fast, Uh which is no food or liquid during light hours. I wasn't doing anything but maybe some water for these 30 hours. And it wasn't great. It was really hard. And my class was around like the 
12 or 14 hour mark when you're actually getting real hungry before you've stopped being hungry. And I had this moment where I had this recognition of what we ask of other people's bodies and how, how much more compassion I had in that moment for people who live with regular hunger. Mm -hmm. And to then hear about this idea that Jesus would make a mockery of a moment when Jesus could actually know what it was like to experience the pain and the hurt and the heartache and the betrayal and all the ills that our world puts upon people at times to make a mockery of that just offended me down to my core. And I had a real hard time with Jesus when I was young and trying Mm -hmm. to find a way to find a relationship with this guy. You know, is he just a good teacher? Was he adopted? Do I think he was fully divine? Like I was wrestling with all that as a new Christian. And I just had this moment of clarity that like, if he doesn't get what it's like to hurt, and if he laughs at our hurt and our torture of one another, that's not a God I want anything to do with. Sure. But if this is a God who willingly steps into the pain and the betrayal and the torture and the hurt and is there and whose heart is still so loving that it would grieve for the pain that all of our people face in their lifetime, then that is the kind of a God that I can be a part of. I can believe in that kind of a God. And that Jesus is resurrected with wounds, I think, began to be important to me then. Okay. And then in seminary, I was blessed to get to study under Dr. Robert Smith. And in the years that I was present, Dr. Smith was working on his final book, what would become his final book. He died from cancer. And it's called The Wounded Jesus. It's using the Thomas text. Okay. And all about how this is important and why it's important. Paul writes in his writings that were promised a new body and that all the bad things will be wiped away from us and we will be remade clean in our resurrected forms. That even though that is the promise of Paul and what he writes, Jesus comes back with wounds. Mm -hmm. God still carries the pain, doesn't put it away, doesn't downplay it, doesn't ignore it, doesn't make it disappear, but continues to hold it because that is important and that is holy work that God continues to do. And that's a part of why I can believe in this God and why I can worship and dedicate my life to this God because it's not a God that just takes the easy path or ignores the parts of humanity that are broken and wrong and harmful. But it's a God that literally takes that into God's own body and holds on to it to remember it. It's a powerful, powerful piece of imagery. Absolutely. So then we have things like St. Francis of Assisi, who's given the stigmata as part of his being. And the stigmata is this fancy word for someone who is given the wounds or scars of Christ. Now you're saying given, but Uh I'm not sure that's a gift I would want necessarily. Me neither. (laughs) Not even slightly. Mm -mm. Yeah. But it's a sign in history, like folks who have received the stigmata oftentimes are very much reverenced as saints, mm-hmm. St. Saint Francis being one of them. Yeah, it's come up in the uh, Lent madness with the mm-hmm. saints that way. Yeah, totally. One year for a Halloween costume in college. Really? I totally did. 
Wow. It was the super easy way to go. I still had my theater makeup kit from college. <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> I am so going to remember that one. I didn't have anything else to, like, I didn't need to do anything else. I just put stigmatas on my wrists. It was really, I mean, you know, way uh-huh. to be a theater kid. <laughs> I love that particular melding of theater and church. That's pretty good. Way to be a nerd. <laughs> Okay, so that's going to lead me delightfully to my last question. Mm -hmm. When this comes up, do you linger on the whole wounding aspect or is it something that you do not particularly care to preach or teach on? I do like to preach and teach on it. And it's really hard Mm -hmm. because we do live in such a trauma-based society right now. Oh, yeah. Well, and images have gotten very graphic. Very, very graphic. Not just, I remember as a kid, sometimes in the news, it would be something that would be bold and stick out. But what we have put up with as a society when it comes to television and movies, yeah, I'm looking at you, John Wick 3. <laughs> it's pretty graphic and bold. Yeah. And I don't even watch like Game of Thrones or Jessica Jones because I can't handle that level of gruesome violence in uh-huh. my own life. And I'm so susceptible to the imagery. Sure, same here. That I just, I can't. I want to be able to sleep at night and I, I need to be able to serve my people without just walking around weeping all the time. So I don't step into those places and I don't take that to other people very lightly. Uh-huh. So I don't talk often about this. I think it's deeply important. I think it's rich and it's valuable. And it's something that I would want people to have the option to easily walk out of the room of. Sure. And that's not Sunday morning worship. <laughs> it's not really what your end game is. <laughs> right? Like it's Sunday morning worship. You can feel really odd if you get up and walk out. Uh-huh. And so I don't just automatically go there for sermons or I might be willing to teach a class on it so people would have warning and, okay. and wouldn't come if they weren't comfortable with the topic. I will highly recommend the book by Dr. Smith. Okay. It's a beautiful book, and I'm biased. Well, sure. We will put a link to that on the podcast page on the Central Portland site. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the wounds of Jesus. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org or find us on Facebook and send us a message. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.